Greetings Stay Frosty Park Runners and welcome to the August 2019 and the 40th edition of the Stay Frosty Park Run podcast. I'm Emu and I'll be your host for the next 20 minutes or so and this month I'm going to be paying homage to all the couch to 5Kers out there and looking at something which has been drawing my attention for a while but which I finally have the op- have had the opportunity to try out and that's running festivals. I'll also be revealing my star parkrunner of the month, my featured parkrun, and letting you all know how we've been getting on in our parkruns over the last month. But first, a small dedicated section to all the new runners out there, especially those who have embarked on the challenge of the Couch to 5K programme. I've heard a couple of people at my work talking about starting the Couch to 5K, which I think is awesome. I know it's tough when you're literally starting from a rather comfortable position on the couch to get yourself up and out and start running. Although some years ago now I started from barely being able to run two minutes, let alone 30. The thing that occurred to me is that as a beginner it can feel intimidating looking at other people casually running five kilometres at parkrun every week when you're only on week two, let's say, of your couch to 5k. It might even be enough to put you off the whole thing. I'll be the first to admit that if someone brings up the subject, I will talk unwaveringly about running, parkrun, the benefits and the races you can enter, only pausing when I run out of breath or someone stops me. I would love to encourage more people to get into running. It is, for the most part, one of the friendliest, most inclusive groups I've ever belonged to. There are always exceptions, but please don't take these as the norm. But I realise that my yammering on about running might be having the opposite effect on people just getting started. So what's the solution? How to encourage and inspire without being intimidating? It's tough because you want to talk about it enough to make it sound like fun and a good idea, but at the same time you don't want to be the one who's always talking about running. A little side note here, starting a podcast is a great way to vent all your running trivia and information and people only have to listen if they want to. So, I'm genuinely asking here, if there are any new runners listening out there, first off, I think you're amazing for taking those first few running steps, kudos for that but mainly what encourages you to keep going and what puts you off or demotivates you when you're just starting out i'd love to be able to share your thoughts in next month's pod so please drop me a note to the stay frosty facebook page or you can send me an email with any stories you'd like to tell about your own running experiences and the email is stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com thank you very much for anything you can give me and good luck with all your running And now moving on to this month's topic, running festivals. I didn't even know such things existed, and then I saw one of the Lonely Goats talking about how they'd been to Pool Festival of Running. As Pool was my first ever park run, I actually cursed my luck for having missed it, and not even knowing it existed at the time, and swore to attend next year, which I'm still planning to do, everything working out time-wise. But Pool isn't alone. It turns out there are lots of places that have running festivals with various attractions and, of course, races to lure you in. According to runningheroes.com, running festivals are a trend which has emerged in the last few years, along with the more traditional music festivals which you normally get during the summer months. With various location, running surfaces and entertainment, running festivals are great for all levels of runner and for all ages. After missing out on pool, I was on the lookout for another running festival that we could go to in order to try out this type of event. The opportunity presented itself in the form of Bedford Running Festival, not too far from London, with accommodation available fairly nearby without breaking the bank, 
and mini miles, a 5k, a 10k and a half marathon to choose from. With minimal coercion, Jay agreed to come with me, on the condition that it meant he didn't miss out on a park run, to dip our toes in the running festival waters. So, Friday after work, we caught the train to Bedford. Unfortunately, I'd picked up a bit of an injury, which was causing me a literal pain in the bum. I suspected the piriformis muscle was to blame, but I'd been stretching all week and I wasn't about to give up on our first planned running festival weekend. So Saturday morning, we arrived early to take part in the Bedford Park Run. More details on that one at the end. Before we rushed over to the festival in time to complete our second 5k of the morning. Unfortunately, my injury really was playing up at this point, and I was forced to walk for the majority of the 5k at the running festival. But I still completed the distance and earned a shiny, shiny medal as my reward. Jay got round in a great time of 30 minutes and 12 seconds, despite already having run 5 kilometres before that. I was going okay at a steady jog, which didn't seem to be aggravating my injury to start with, but due to some bottlenecks early on, I couldn't really see the path in front of me, and I tripped on a tree root, which just sent massive shockwaves of pain at my leg, despite managing to stay on my feet. I heard later on that I actually wasn't the only one to trip up, but apart from some narrow sections, the course was a lovely mix of gravel paths, tarmac paths, woodland and grass. Maybe allowing a slightly longer gap between the start waves could alleviate a bit of the overcrowding in, in places at the beginning. It did allow me the time to get chatting to a friendly lonely goat, who was using the 5 kilometer as training for her first half marathon coming up in the autumn. Her biggest nemesis was shin splints, which had been fine recently, but decided to play up at the Bedford Running Festival. We wished each other well as she jogged on. I finished in 44 minutes and 28 seconds. Not my slowest ever recorded 5 kilometres, but certainly not my quickest. I was feeling a little demoralised, but I was determined to do everything I could to try and make it to the 10 kilometre race later the same day. Jay and I returned to the hotel we were staying in, showered and stretched as much as we thought necessary, before heading out for some good food to fuel our 10k at 5.30pm. And it was with some trepidation that I lined up at the start, seeding myself in a slower wave as I knew I wouldn't be breaking any records. I'd taken painkillers, I'd kept stretching and moving around, and I made sure that I wasn't starting cold, and to my, to my extreme surprise, when I started jogging gently, nothing hurt. It was such a relief just to be able to run without pain, for about 800 metres or so. And then, like a slap in the face, the pain was back. I was relieved to be able to walk a few steps over the first two narrow bridges, which were, again, causing a bit of a bottleneck. But each time I restarted my steady jog, it was like pulling myself through treacle. I knew it was going to hurt by restarting, so why did I keep pushing myself into a jog? After the second restart, I realised that if I stopped again, I would probably never resume running and memories of my 45-minute walking 5k in the morning kept haunting me. I didn't want to finish like that this time. So each time I got to a bottleneck, I jogged gently on the spot as the crowds pushed forwards to keep myself moving. This did actually seem to help, and I realised that the shorter my stride, the less pain I was feeling, so I took to a short-strided, shuffling jog, which, although it didn't alleviate the pain, was enough to force it into the background as a sort of hum rather than a screeching crescendo. In doing so, I was able to relax a bit. I knew I was fit enough to run this pace quite happily, and I'd done enough 10Ks previously to know that I could go the distance. 
my breathing was comfortable, and I could just enjoy the scenery and my music, which I'd chosen to listen to in order to distract me from the pain and inspire me to keep going. I wasn't even noticing the kilometre markers anymore. I knew that I was somewhere between the 7 and 8 marker, but something odd was happening. I was actually starting to enjoy it. I think the endorphins must have kicked in because, despite the dull ache, I was starting to speed up. Nowhere near my usual lope, but I was easing past other runners for the whole of the last two kilometres, and I actually felt good. I even managed to push on a little bit for a quicker finish right at the end. When I passed the 400 metre marker, instead of feeling, as I did with the 5 kilometre, that it may as well have been 400 miles, I felt like I didn't want it to end. I crossed the line and took my medal and t-shirt with pride. My slowest ever 10 kilometre official time, but I've never been so pleased with myself. I managed to keep going without pushing myself so hard that it would be making my injury worse and finish a 10 kilometre race in the same day that I had run two other 5 kilometre distances. Now, I'm not saying what I did was sensible, but in truth, if you get to know your body when you're running, you can use opportunities like this to work out how far, how far you can push yourself and what the consequences will be. Most of the time, of course, it is sensible to not run with an injury, but sometimes actually stretching out and keeping your muscles warm can, can aid it. I'd decided at some point during the 10 kilometres that I wanted to do this and to deal with whatever the results were at the end of the run. I knew it might mean taking at least another week off from running, which would affect my training for the half marathon at the end of September. I knew that in the worst case scenario, it might well mean my having to give up the half marathon altogether, and it wasn't a cheap entry fee. So what actually happened afterwards? Well, oddly, my injury felt slightly better than it did before. It was almost like I needed a gentle run to stretch it all out and to get it moving again. It is, of course, going to hamper my training efforts and likely reduce the time in which I'll be able to complete the half marathon, but I'm okay with that. This is all a learning experience for me, and as with all things in life, knowledge is power. I completed my 10km race in 1 hour, 12 minutes and 23 seconds. One of the best 1 hour, 12 minutes and 23 seconds I have ever run. And as an added bonus, a friendly runner came over to me after I finished and thanked me for maintaining such a consistent pace, as he is able to follow me for most of the run. Jay, having never run 20 kilometres in one day before, completed his 10 kilometres in 58 minutes and 59 seconds, well under his one hour target time. He's now talking with more confidence about the prospect of running a half marathon, maybe in the spring of 2020, working on the assumption that we don't get into the London Marathon ballot here and I've never been prouder of him. As for our first running festival experience, it was good. You only paid to enter the race as you actually wanted to run, and there were some open-air films being shown, one each day, so one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. There were also some food vendors, a little overpriced, but you expect that at any festival, I guess, and some other stands representing different companies or charities which you could explore. I'll be honest, Jay and I didn't really take advantage of the whole experience. We loved the races and friendliness of the whole thing, but after the 5k we just wanted to shower and stretch out before the 10 kilometres in, in the same evening. So after a rather nice cheese toasty each, we headed back to our hotel. For the twilight 10k, it was a little breezier and cooler. I didn't take off my long sleeve top until the very last minute but even in the sunshine at the end, it did mean that we didn't want to hang around and get chilly very long. Then on Sunday, we could have gone back to the festival, but instead we decided to have a nice walk along the river, and were able to cheer on some of the half-marathon runners. 
I think we may have stayed longer at the festival if we had chosen a closer hotel, but we chose one that was deliberately between the park run and the festival. As you don't have to pay for entry to the festival itself, I'd say this was a good value event and the atmosphere was really nice. Definitely worth a look if you're in the area, very family friendly as well. And if you're looking for a running event to do in 2020, I would recommend this one. Plus, if you're a bit like us, a bit of a medal collector, I can vouch for the appeal and overall shininess of the medals you get. Lovely. And a decent weight as well. We were very impressed. And now wrapping up my little festival ramble, it's time to move on to reveal this month's Star Park Runner. I'm pleased to announce that... Alison Goodwin is this month's Star Park Runner. Alison attended Bedford Park Run for the first time on Saturday, 31st of August, and ran the course in 26 minutes and 15 seconds. Following this, Alison nipped over to Bedford Running Festival and ran the 5k in 24 minutes and 39 seconds. And then, as if this wasn't enough, to top off the day, she completed the evening by running the 10k race in 47 minutes and 14 seconds. That's an amazing achievement, and all on the same day as her 50th park run. Congratulations, Anison. Fantastic running and a superb celebration of the event. If you know someone who deserves a mention as my star park runner of the month, feel free to drop me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page or by emailing stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your nominations. This month's featured park run takes us to Banbury Park Run, located in Spiceball Country Park in Oxfordshire. To get there, you can catch any bus heading into Banbury Town Centre. From the bus station, it's only a five-minute walk to Spiceball Park. Or you could get a train to Banbury Train Station, which is 10 to 15 minutes walk to the start line. There's some nice detailed walking directions on Banbury Park Run website. If you're driving, you can put the postcode OX163JJ into your sat-nav if you're approaching from the M40. And if you're driving from Banbury Cross, you can use the postcode OX162AY. There are two car parks attached to the park. One is a larger pay and display, and the other is free, but it only has limited parking in that one. There are also numerous multi-storey car parks within walking distance of the park. Banbury Park Run is on a mix of surfaces and can get muddy in the wetter weather. It consists of three laps, anti-clockwise in the winter, finishing and starting in the same place. The elevation is undulating without having any extremely steep gradients, ranking 119th on the Jegmar elevation rankings out of 519. There are toilets located at the leisure centre about five minutes walk from the start, and there is also a children's play area at the south side of the park near the pay and display car park. Recent volunteer numbers have ranged from 26 to 30, and runner numbers have been as low as 211 and as high as 426 since April. There have been a total of 252 park runs here, which makes the start date the 27th of September in 2014. When I was a child, I heard the nursery rhyme about Banbury Cross, so this is one which I wouldn't mind adding to my list to do of park runs to do for that reason. And finally for this week, it's on to our park runs for August. It's fair to say that we've done a decent amount of touristing this month, starting with our little excursion to York Park Run on the 3rd of August. We chose this one as we needed a letter Y to help us try and complete our park run alphabet. 
but it was also Jay's choice as a little birthday weekend getaway. We stayed in a charming little B&B between town and the location of the park run, but didn't partake of the included breakfast on the Saturday as we were already on our way to park run. As mentioned in last month's pod, the York Park Run course is on the road running inside the horse racing track. Although we'd both recently had colds, Jay and I found this one to be a quick course, Jay finishing in 26 minutes and 34 seconds, and myself in 24 minutes and 44 seconds. This was Jay's third quickest ever finishing time, and my second quickest ever finishing time, so we were both very happy bunnies. The following week, on the 10th of August, we returned to South Norwood in the warm August sunshine, and got chatting to some fellow parkrunners who were now following on Strava. I knew that I had Burnham Beach's 10 kilometres race the next day, but despite this, I couldn't resist seeing what I could do at the park run, so I gave it a bit of effort and got a new PB of 25 minutes and 38 seconds. Jay finished in 28 minutes and 5 seconds, bringing his park run average down a few more seconds. The following day, Nikki and I took part in the Burnham Beaches 10km race, which was fun, but a pain to get to if you don't have a car. Plus, our train got delayed by more than 20 minutes, which doesn't help. Luckily, we were able to get a taxi from the station to the event, with another guy who I was, I believe, from Slovakia, apologies if I got that wrong, and also on the same delayed train as us. He was running the Burnham Beaches half marathon, which started a little before the 10 kilometres. It wasn't a cold day, but the wind made it feel a little chilly whilst we waited for the 10k to get started. Jay kindly came along and held our jackets so that we could take them off at the very last minute. Nonetheless, I still ran in a long sleeve top. I also felt the previous day's 5 kilometres in my legs, and realised that if I wanted to run a quick 10k, then I might have to take it a bit easier, or better still, volunteer at the previous day's park run. Nikki ran a great time of 52 minutes and 54 seconds, and I got round in 58 minutes and 1 second. Still under an hour, but not my best time so far. It was a nice medal and t-shirt, but a shame that they didn't put the 10km runner names on the back of the t-shirt, as well as the half-marathoners. Maybe this means next year we'll have to enter the half-marathon to get our names on the shirt. But I digress from Parkrun here. The following weekend was actually Nikki's birthday weekend, so Jay and I went over to Barking to run at her local park run. Again, it was a windy day, but not too cold. Jay ran the course in 26 minutes and 26 seconds, his new third fastest time, bumping York down the list a little bit. Nikki did her run in 23 minutes and 34 seconds, and was quick enough to whiz back round the uh, finishing funnel and take photos of both Jay and I finishing. I managed to pull out a 25 minutes and 9 second run, also my third fastest time, just behind York. On the 24th of August, Jay had managed to convince me to rise before dawn in order to obtain our letter U, not far from where we'd run the Burnham Beaches 10k, and it was near Slough. Upton Court Park run was brimming with tourists, all looking to obtain their letter U, and starts and finished near a nice little cafe selling sweet treats, tea and coffee. They also have the use of the clubhouse toilets, a definite plus given our long journey there. Unfortunately, I'd had a migraine the night before, so I was feeling a little wiped out, but with Jay hot on my heels, I still managed to finish in 25 minutes and 17 seconds. I just felt rubbish the whole time, though. Jay got around in 25 minutes and 40 seconds, a fantastic time at a new park run and his second fastest ever 5km run. He was very happy with that, needless to say. 
and last, but by no means least of course, to Bedford Parkrun, which we managed to shoehorn into our festival running weekend. This was an especially friendly parkrun in a nice park, which you do just over one and a half laps to complete. Jay zoomed round in 26 minutes and 8 seconds, and I managed to finish in 30 minutes and 22 seconds, but to the detriment of the 5k following, which was a bit frustrating as I've said. All in all, it's been a very enjoyable weekend of running for Jay and I. Despite injury, we both got two shiny shiny medals and a nice technical t-shirt. Plus, as an added bonus, my new running vest was delivered during the week before, so I tested it over the festival running weekend, although the distance didn't really require it, and I have to say it's by far the most comfortable thing I've ever run with on my back. It meant I didn't have to check my bag, I was able to carry an extra layer with me, and I didn't have to stop for the hydration station en route as my water was on my back. It did make me a little warmer than usual, but I'll gladly accept that given the benefits. If you're interested, it's the much-reviewed 10-litre Kalenji running vest from Decathlon. And on that note, it's time to bring things to a close. Thank you all very much for listening. I'll see you all again next month, hopefully after I've run the Ealing Half Marathon. As always, any comments, feedback or stories you'd like me to share, I'd love to hear from you, either on the Stay Frosty Facebook page or via the email, stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com. As we sweep gracefully into my favourite season, try to make the most of the mild but sunny days before the nights draw in. Stay frosty, parkrunners, and I'll see you all next month. Oh, my God.